Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. It's Tuesday, the 1st of August here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, HSBC becomes the latest global bank to post bumper profits. UK shop prices drop for the first time in two years in a boost for Rishi Sunak. And the UK scraps plans to replace the EU's product safety stamp. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. HSBC says it plans to buy back up to another $2 billion of stock after making a pre-tax profit of $8.8 billion in the second quarter. The results are a clear beat with top-line growth and net interest margin both exceeding estimates. The bank's CEO Noel Quinn told Bloomberg that while higher rates have benefited the bank, there's also a downside. Higher interest rates for longer will continue to pressure both consumers and businesses. And it's in all our interests that we can get inflation down as soon as possible in order to ease the pressure on the yield curve and rates. We'll have more of that interview with HSBC's Noel Quinn in a few minutes' time. The lender joins the likes of Barclays, Standard Chartered and Deutsche Bank in announcing share buybacks as surging loan income boosts profitability. Now, inflation in UK shops is falling for the first time in two years. Bloomberg's James Wilcock has more. Shop prices were 0.1% lower in July than in June. Wet weather and staple goods like oil and fish, they're some of the major factors driving prices down. And although some might see it as good news for the Bank of England, the central bank's June forecast predicted falling goods inflation. It's more concerned about wages and service price rises. In London, James Wilcock, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Hedge funds are throwing in the towel on their stock bets, according to data from JP Morgan. In a move known as degrossing, managers have slashed positions on both bullish and bearish equity wagers. Rather than sinking, like most forecasters predicted, stocks have instead surged on hopes of a soft landing. That's wishful thinking, according to JP Morgan's chief global market strategist, Marco Kalanovic, who says market expectations are too high. The Federal Reserve says that banks have reported tighter standards and ongoing weak demand for loans in the second quarter. That story now from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It extends a trend that began before recent stresses in the banking sector emerged. According to a Fed survey of lending officers, the proportion of American banks tightening terms on commercial and industrial loans for medium and large businesses rose to 50.8%, up from 46% in the first quarter. The collapse of four U.S. regional banks since March sparked turmoil in the financial sector and increased concerns that lenders would rein in access to credit in a way that could tip the U.S. economy into a recession. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. 
Nigel Farage says Coots and parent bank Nat West have offered to reinstate his accounts. Speaking on his GB News show, the former MEP and Brexit campaigner said he responded with a solicitor's letter. I want some full apologies. I want some compensation for my costs. But more important than all of that, I want a face-to-face meeting with the bank's bosses. I want to find out how many other people in Coots or Nat West have had accounts closed because of their political opinions. And I want to make sure this never happens to anybody else ever again. Nigel Farage's comments come after a dispute over the closure of his account led the bosses of Coots and Nat West to step down. A spokesperson for Coots said the bank couldn't comment on individual customers. And finally, Rishi Sunak's government says that UK companies can use the EU's product safety mark indefinitely. It's a climb down on a post-Brexit plan to enforce a domestic standard that was criticised by businesses, but is likely to anger Brexiteers pushing for divergence. Yesterday, the government said that business can continue to apply these EU CE label to their products without also having to include the new UK CA stamp. So those are our top stories on the programme this morning. Another story that caught my eye is... Uh, now, Caroline, I knew that you were very influential. Um, I know that your influence <laughs> extends far and wide. I didn't realise you'd beaten Barbie to a trend, though. Ah, oh, yes. This is Birkenstocks, my favourite footwear. Uh, and the company which is planning an IPO in the US, uh, it's reported... Uh, yeah, apparently Margot Robbie... Um, in the Barbie movie, which I still have not managed to see, dons a pair of bright pink Birkenstocks. Of course, actually, the company is owned by L. Catterton. And also, a chunk of it is owned by LVMH's Bernard Arnault. So, look, it's probably not down to me. I suspect it's much more down to the uh, French fashion house for making it uh, very yeah. trendy again. But yeah, I mean, fascinating to see. I mean, it's also, you know, at an IPO at a time that we're seeing a very moribund market for IPOs around the world. So I mean, very interesting that this would be the choice as well, that uh, that they're going to going to market on this in September by the looks of things. Yeah, absolutely. And that they could be valued at more than $8 billion is, yeah, it's a very interesting move. So we could see that the sooner September. Yeah, certainly. Well, let's get more details now on those bullish earnings from HSBC. The CEO, Noel Quinn, has been speaking to Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix about the results. Because of our strong capital generation, commit to a further 10 cents dividend, uh, interim dividend uh, for, for Q2 and an additional $2 billion, up to $2 billion buyback, um, which we intend to complete in the next three months. So that's a good outcome. Um, But I do want to say it's broad-based across all geographies and across all business lines. No, no. How, how worried are you about Chinese real estate? And actually, if you look at you know what you've announced today, developments could be worse than what you're expecting. And will you have to take more, you know, m- more fresh charges against some of your exposure there? I think we we what we announced today was we do a scenario on what a potential plausible downside could be on that. We're not predicting that. We scenario plan that. We did take some additional provisions in the in quarter two, but they were they were relatively manageable within our overall ECL charge. I think we took about 300 million in the first half of this year. That was top up on some existing provisions. But if I look at my overall ECL charge for the first half of the year, it was 1.3 billion, and that absorbed commercial real estate in China, specifically on real estate in China. It will be a challenge in six, 12 months. The industry still has some challenges ahead. We believe we're well provisioned. We're comfortable with the provisioning we have at the half year and we'll 
have to wait and see how the policy measures continue to adopt, adapt. And what is really challenging in the real estate market in China is a lack of demand. And that's really where I think the solution to the challenges will come from. What does the decision to downsize your London headquarters tell us about your commitment to the UK? We're absolutely committed to the UK. And our decision on premises in the UK is a function, frankly, of some of the reduction in costs that we've done over the past three to four years. It's a function of changing working patterns. And it's a function of some of the offshoring that we've done. So our, our need for premises in the UK is less today than it was three, four years ago. Um, so our choice on where we relocated the head office wasn't a decision between Canary Wharf and the city. It was a decision based on available premises somewhere around 20, 2026 and 2027 that had the capacity, but not too much capacity to absorb the, head, the people we wanted. So frankly, we needed a building half the size of Canary Wharf and there aren't that many buildings that were available. This was not a decision between the city or Canary Wharf. It was a practical decision based on property availability. Given where we are now worldwide and some of, I guess, the, the influences across the world, do you say your reasons for remaining in the UK are actually decreasing? No, nope. I think UK is a very good place to have a headquarter for a global institution. It covers all the time zones well. It's a good environment to operate in with lots of professional services to support a, an organization. But you've got to remember, we're a global business. We have to have a headquarters somewhere, and the UK has been a good headquarters for us. But I'm also, at the moment, in our headquarters in Hong Kong. And in a few weeks' time, I'll be in our headquarters in the Middle East. So, you know, we're a global organization, um, and there has to be a place that, where you're registered. And the UK is a good place to be registered. It's a good environment to operate a global, global bank with a good regulatory environment. Um, and we're very happy there. When you look at UK mortgages, I think you were the first major bank to actually start cutting your rates last week. Do you see rates substantially falling for mortgages in the near future? I think it's going to be a function, frankly, of the swap rates in the UK. You know, it's not just the base rates in the UK, but it's the swap rates, because most mortgages are priced off swaps. And it will be there for a function of what is the market confidence? Where does the market see the yield curve? And we saw the yield curve go up, and then we started to see it come down. Our ambition is to try and make sure our rates are as um, reasonable as possible to help customers navigate what is definitely a challenging environment of higher rates in the market plus higher inflation. So if we can move down, we will do as quickly as possible. Um, so that was our decision. Um, it will, it will, I can't predict what the yield curve necessarily will do. There is the prospect of more interest rate rises. Uh, in the future in order to combat inflation. And that therefore could change the yield curve for the swap rates. Um, and therefore we may have to adjust pricing then, up or down. Uh, no, it's clear that in the last couple of weeks, Nigel Farage really dominated the headlines when it came to banking in the UK. Do you think it will change uh, banking in this country? And would you ever drop a customer because of their political beliefs? Well, first, our policy is very clear. We do not exit a client or debank a client based on their lawful personal views. We don't do that as part of our policy. What I also want to do is say we will work with the authorities in the UK, uh, the FCA and the regulators in the UK in whatever work they're going to do over the next few weeks to try and find a good resolution uh, to the current situation that exists. But our policy is we do not debank based on the lawful personal views of our customers.
That's HSBC CEO Noel Quinn speaking there to Bloomberg's editor-at-large, Francine Lacqua. Up next, Sunak downplays green policies to court Middle England and Musk's giant X sign dismantled. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. Joining us this morning, Bloomberg's Leanne Gerns to discuss. Let's start with the Financial Times this morning, Leanne. Rishi Sunak downplays green policies to court Middle England. Caroline, good morning to you. Yes, and this is the headline in the FT. And they basically say Sunak is playing down the Conservative Party's green credentials. And they say that is due to that surprise by-election win in Uxbridge two weeks ago over the issue of ULES. So this is what the FT are saying. Mm -hmm. And yesterday we were talking about this in the papers, weren't we, that the Prime Minister was off to Aberdeen in Scotland yesterday. He actually got a private jet there and he also announced plans plans for hundreds more North Sea drilling licenses in the years to come. But as the FT explains, the move has been slammed by a former Tory energy minister as the wrong decision when the rest of the world is experiencing record heat waves. Climate change has really come into focus in Europe and around the world, especially this summer. Meanwhile, campaigners say extracting more fossil fuels would send a wrecking ball through the UK's climate commitments. But as we know, Rishi Sunak is saying we need to do this for our energy security going forward so we don't rely on foreign markets. The FT says Sunak's press secretary insisted he had not changed his policy since that Uxbridge win but his tone has shifted in the last week. This is what the newspaper is saying mm -hmm. as Tory MPs clamour for a dilution of government green policies but the big question is this ahead of the election because we know they're trailing yeah. in the polls against Labour and and Labour's Jess Phillips came out yesterday and actually also really poured cold water on the carbon capture programme Rishi Sunak announced too. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the line um, on this sort of reporting that has stuck in my mind, it's from a couple of days ago, but it was in The Economist, saying that any environmental obligation that stands between Mr Sunak and re-election will be ditched. That was the sort of Economist take on it, you know, saying that actually um, perhaps people misunderstand the Prime Minister that this PM is a right winger as The Economist uh, said and so on the environment yeah that, that was the issue that kind of stuck in my mind as I was watching him up in, in Scotland yesterday but that's an interesting one the FT. 
Let's go to the Times next, Leanne. The Competition and Markets Authority opens a new consultation on Microsoft takeover bid. Yes, indeed, Stephen. And we've spoken about this many times before, but I've got an update for you, um, courtesy of the Times newspaper. Microsoft's submitted changes to the UK regulator, the CMO, CMA, excuse me, over this anticipated acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Now, the watchdog moved to hold that large deal in the video gaming industry earlier this year. However, it has now published the tech giant's argument for it to be reconsidered. Remember, this was going to be the largest deal in video gaming history. So it's massive. We're talking $69 billion. And three weeks ago, the CMA called a truce with Microsoft to consider how the acquisition could be modified. And that was really to soften those regulatory concerns. The regulatory has denied altering its stance as a result of external pressure. And I think we can all remember the pressure the CMA really came under when they said that this takeover bid could not happen. The initial decision to block it prompted that huge backlash with both companies claiming that it showed the UK was closed for business. And now we know that the competition watchdog has said it will decide whether to clear or block Microsoft's takeover of the video game developer Activision Blizzard by the 29th of August. It's the 1st of August today, and so we've got a few days to go, 28 precisely. Yeah, OK, interesting, uh, on Microsoft. Just lastly, the Wall Street Journal has the headline, X sign removed from former Twitter HQ. A planning issue? Oh, Caroline, you should see this big flashing sign that's upset all these local residents. They aren't happy at all that Elon Musk put this huge giant X sign on top of his headquarters in San Francisco on Friday when the Twitter one was taken down. But locals just aren't happy because it's flashing right into their homes. They're saying it's just not appropriate. And city officials say the sign was put up without a proper permit. And, you know, these bright lights beaming into their apartments. So the San Francisco Department of Building Inspection has opened an investigation into this installation and we're going to see what the outcome is but this mm. massive big flashing sign but Elon Musk did say it was just temporary however you know we it, never it perhaps, know. Perhaps more temporary than he thought. Yes exactly yeah. yes three days it was up. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.